Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, will Sky and Kadarius see increased roles in 2023? Should the Chiefs be investing more resources into the defense and a surprising face could be coming to Kansas City next year? Special guests include J.J. Piccolo at 11. Now two guys who know that first you rock and then you chalk. Cody Tapp and Alex Gold. Another regular season conference title for the Kansas Jayhawks last night. Just yawn because you're so used to the success, Cody. The dominance of that program in Lawrence, Kansas. It's like the Chiefs winning the AFC West. I'm not going to come on the show and be like, wow, they did it. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, they won the AFC West. Because you expect greatness from your team, from your Hawks. My Hawks? Why are you lumping? You, how many times have you called me a Missouri fan on this? But show? don't you I'm want have to go to Rally House after the show, Nick, and go get that one that talks that has the uh, the history repeats itself? I might hey, be the one to get diamond. Yeah. Uh, pressure builds diamonds. That's right. I mean, I, I might have to go to Rally we House don't, and get some gear. We don't rebuild. We reload. That's right. This is your last chance, Cody. So what? Jump on board Come, jump Kansas? on board with the you missed the, the Hawks. You missed the opportunity last year. This would literally be. The most bandwagon pickup of all time. Choosing a team who's going to be the number one seed in the NCAA tournament the year after they won the NCAA tournament and being like, they're my squad now. That is the most bandwagon pickup of all time. You know what, though? This happened when the Chiefs got Mahomes and they started winning at a high level and then Chiefs fans started to say, well, if you weren't with us during the Tyler Thigpen years, you can't be with us now. I disagree. We'll take anybody who wants to be on board. And, Cody, there's a lot of people that don't pay attention to college basketball until the tournament. So you still actually are ahead of the curve, I think. You jump on right now before Selection Sunday, you're good. Or are you still holding out for – I'm holding out for that conference title. That that conference tournament win for the Ruse. Okay. Fair enough. Fair Uh, enough. I can't can't give up on my Ruse yet. An improbable run through the conference tournament for the Ruse is what you're hoping for. Seeing how the top – the team at the top. I did just see they lost by like 30 to South Dakota this weekend or something. Minor blip. Blip on the radar, man. Minor setback, major comeback. That's right. You know? That's exactly right. God, we're coming up with a lot of good slogans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot that can be just on T-shirts. None of them are on t- any T-shirts. If though, any yeah. of us were a head coach of any team in any sport at any level, we would just be full of platitudes like that. <laughs> just, you know, well, it's a, it's a minor setback for a major comeback. That's the way I like to look at it. Like, Coach, you, you lost your fourth straight game by 25 points or more. Yeah, well, the Ruse will be taking on Omaha, Marathon, not a race. Summit League tournament this Friday. Is that so like if you guys want to get together to watch, opening round, opening round. Do you think they're going to win? I think they'll beat Omaha. Yes, I do oh. believe they'll beat Omaha. Okay, I do believe they'll. What's the? What's the? We got an early look at that line, Gold. <laughs> uh, it is not out yet. <laughs> it's not, not out yet. Yeah, it's two days away. They don't have that line out yet. I haven't seen it. I haven't looked. <laughs> I haven't seen it like that once. <laughs> Uh, I haven't looked. Usually college basketball lines are not that far in advance, but Cody's rocking his what about ruse. look ahead. Cody's rocking his ruse gear today, though. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm i ready to actually have a conversation. UMKC currently sits at a, a seven point favorite. Cody okay. gave me so, big favorite. Cody gave me so much crap for wearing that like knit sweater quarter zip. He, he wears one? that ruse jacket just as much. all the time. He, he, I think he does it because he, it's cold in here, so just like it's you're like always he, like an he, over jacket. He uses it as like a jacket, even though it looks more like a nice. Like it's I know it's a jacket, but it looks more like something you would you wouldn't wear every day. But you use it as a as if it's, it's cold like, in here a lot yeah. of times. I think it's okay to have like a go to. I'm just over throwing this yeah. on because it's a little chilly out today. Yours is the it's white one. Mine is this today, one though. It's not actually. It feels pretty good in here. Well, because it's nice out. 
It is. Every once in a while, three times a year, the <laughs> studio ends up being the perfect temperature. Uh-huh. It's, it's glorious, but I could just take the jacket off. That's the glory of it. Yeah. Well, like, it's the right time of the year for you to be supporting your roots. You got another week or so left of it. I got, well, maybe two days. <laughs> Fair enough. See how it goes, man. Look, I, I think it would be amazing if Kansas City's team ended up in the NCAA tournament for the first time in, in school history. That'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be cool. We'd have all, we literally would have all the locals, all the local schools in the NCAA yeah, tournament. Yeah, you know what? Let's get you and KC be, mixed That would in. be incredible. Uh, we will talk some baseball with Royals general manager and vice president, J.J. Piccolo, coming up. Uh, at 11 o'clock today. We haven't talked to him since the Super Bowl when he joined the show on Radio Row, so I want to I talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, uh, I'm curious to get his thoughts on the depth at center field, which, of course, took a blow a couple weeks ago with the injury to Drew Waters. We'll talk about that with J.J. coming up a little bit later. We know the scouting combine day two going on in Indianapolis. Uh, yesterday, Andy Reid spoke, and he said that looking ahead to next season, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore are going to have to have bigger roles in 2023 and it's like obviously right I mean that's to be expected uh considering right now what the depth chart looks like and knowing it's year two for Sky Kadarius Tony jumped in the middle of the season and there's probably not gonna be a player at the wide receiver spot that's gonna be hyped more than Tony considering the flashes that we saw from him when he was healthy and that's the biggest thing where, where are you at on on confidence for both of them? Because I don't know anybody that actually thinks Kadarius Tony's playing 15, 16, 17 games next year because you know why? He has, he's never done that yet. It'd be a pretty, I mean, it'd be a pretty bold assumption at this point to say, I bet we'll get Kadarius Tony for that whole stretch. Like, no, that doesn't seem likely. But it is true. I think there's, there's truth to that they're going to have to have an increased role. But, I mean, what does that really mean? Those two guys combine for what? Well, 500 yards over the course of the season. Sky Moore had 250 yards this year in 16 games. We know he made more of an impact in the postseason than anywhere. And then Kadarius Tony, you know, his rookie season plays for the Giants, 10 games, gets you 420. And then last year plays in nine games and has 171 yards receiving. So he would have been about 350 if he had played the entire season. Well, 300 if he yeah. had played the entire season. So we're talking about a 250 and a 300 yard receiver. So really what this conversation comes down to me is, what is your new ceiling ranking for either of these guys? Because the problem is, is I don't know. The ceiling ranking for Sky is tough. Because I, like, if you're going to make me right now, be like, hey, is there still a thousand yard wide receiver in there? I don't think so. I, I, don't I feel either. like his ceiling is like a seven or 800 guy who does so a lot of other multi. But I mean, doesn't it already kind of feel yeah. that way? I feel like with wide receivers, this is, you um, know, so much sooner. It's not that some guys don't come onto the scene after year one or two, but it really feels like you get a good sense of where they are kind of immediately. That's why when we've had the McCall Hardman conversations about this off season, why I don't think they need to bring him back. They are to me, they have sky Moore and Canary's Tony yeah. who fit. Yeah. Who, who fit that role. We, we saw it play out this year because unfortunately McCall Hartman clearly was dealing with a, a, an injury that required surgery just a week or so ago. Uh, so they, they had guys that were able to fill those shoes before last season. We were up in St. Joe. We were all like everybody going through, like, what do we think the, the, the numbers are going to look like for every single player? And I think I said, Sky Moore was going to have 550 yards this year. So you're asking me now, what do I think for next season? Can I say 550 yards again? Cause that's what, like, that's the jump, maybe 600, like, that's what I think. Now, maybe his touchdown numbers are high. Maybe he's like McCole Harbin, who is a great red zone threat, and we see the touchdown numbers are actually pretty good. But, yeah, I mean, there's no way I can suddenly go back and, and say that he's going to 
have 900 yards next year. I thought he was going to have 550 this year, Cody, and he didn't come close to that. Yeah, what would you set the over, like you personally, what would you set the sky more over under at right now? Personally, 450? I, mean, I, I just told you, I think he's going to have 550. So yeah, like, you know, 500, 510, you know, like over under 510. Look, I mean, that's still like, there's still a, that's a limitation. Like that means if you're going, and by the way, I'd set the number at Tony really similar. I'd set them both at like 500. So I got a thousand yard receiver between the two of them. I've got a 650, 700 yard receiver. It was called seven. Let's just be nice. He didn't get to seven, but let's call it seven for MVS. So I've got about 1,700 yards. Tack on another 12 for Kelsey for being conservative at the moment, right? That seems fair. Yeah. So 2,900. I'm like, all right, where's the other 1,100 receiving yardage coming from? And look, I can tack on three or 400 somewhere else. Yes. But it's like they're missing an 800 to 1,000 yard receiver. We know that last year that was Juju Smith-Schuster. And it could be him again. We don't know, right? But it, could seems, be back. it seems like it's got to be that. Like, honestly, it seems like it's got to be that. It's got to be like there's a missing like or, you can't just go in next year and say we're going to get more out of Sky. We're going to get more out of Tony and we're good here. That seems like a bad plan as much as we've said yeah. Patrick Holmes can win with any receiver. And that's why I think there's still a decent chance that Juju's back or if he's not back, then to me, you're going to have to spend not just a second round pick on a wide receiver. Then we're talking about going and getting uh, what, what is perceived as a number one wide receiver in the first round. The problem is this is not the deepest wide receiver class. That was last year. And we know the Chiefs are picking at 31. So you're going to trade multiple picks to move up into the teens to get a guy that is viewed as the number one or number two, three wide receiver this year. But last year would have probably been like the seventh because the only wide receiver that really interests me to draft in the first round if I'm the Chiefs that I'd be willing to trade up for is Quentin Johnson. Uh, but that's going to take serious draft capital to go and get the guy out of TCU. Yeah, but I'm fine with that. Yeah, like, I, let's I be, this, yeah. this feels, again, once again, this is like the second or third year in a row. <laughs> but this is still and remains still a good time. Matter of fact, it might be even better. Because just keep looking through that wide receiver free agent list every time. And then look at wide receivers or pay and really try to convince yourself that it's not a better idea to trade up into the draft to get a number one wide receiver because a number one wide receiver who you take 17th, 19th overall, they can be a 900-yard guy in year one. And if they're a 900-yard guy in year one, they have replaced Juju Smith-Schuster. And then you have all the upper end potential of what could possibly be with that guy in addition to that. Because you you count on a slight increase from Tony. You count on a slight increase from Sky. McCall Hardman missed more than half of the season last year. He was already not a part of what you were doing offensively. So you already know how you operate inside of that. And then you make it up with all the pieces that are around. You throw it to Pacheco more. You hopefully McKinnon's back, whatever, right? You can make up the differences in little nibbles across the field, but you still do need that one. And with the way the wide receiver is going, it's like, I just don't, I'd like it to just be sky more, be a lot easier. So you could sit back, wake, be careful with how you handle wide receiver. Just take one in the second again, like you did sky and McColl and hope that guy turns into a star, but feels more and more like you got to take an aggressive shot. I will say the postseason gives you a little bit more hope for Sky, just in terms of like the confidence that he. I mean, he 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 has he has admitted publicly during the season it was it was tough, tough. very yeah. tough. I think the postseason and gets his first career touchdown in the Super Bowl and a huge touchdown at that. Uh, I think that bodes well for him mentally heading into the offseason and confidence heading into training camp. And so maybe maybe that's where. The numbers and they're going to surprise and he's going to surprise us all and, and he's going to end up being but, uh, what, what people were excited for him to be last year. Maybe it does happen in year two. It would still only have to be a confidence thing, though. You know that, right? I mean, he had five catches for 17 yeah. yards in the playoffs. It's not like he just like yeah. lit the world on fire. It would just be he caught a Super Bowl touchdown. Now he's feeling good about himself because mm-hmm. from like a stat perspective. Yeah, no doubt.
from a stat perspective, it's not like he just like ran through the playoffs. He did a better job in punt returns, obviously, in the Super Bowl and had his biggest moment. And then he had his biggest moment because he caught a touchdown. But that was his only catch in the game. Came at a good time. 913-586-7610, Jay Southland Toe Service text line uh, from the 913. Anytime we talk wide receivers, this name comes up. Don't forget about the Ross. Um, yeah, that's going to be one of those where it's going to have to be training camp, and uh, we'll just see how that plays out. If anybody's banking on Justin Ross, then uh, that's not good. That's not good if that's the case. That's even worse. Yeah. I'd rather bank it around Sky Moore. Well, well yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What, what is everyone's – did I miss something? Who is the you person who started goes? this Justin you know Ross obsession? It's, it's who the is unknown. the person? Who yeah, do I need to blame? Is it Pete or Nate Taylor? Like, who do I? Who comes on this show that started the Justin Ross thing so that Why I can be mad at them? Why do you assume it's a friend of the show? I just assumed somebody wrote one article once and then Chiefs fans ran with it. Pete Sweeney runs the most popular Chiefs website it's uh, on Earth. Nate Taylor is one of the greatest well, writers. I mean, honestly, Chiefs stuff, I just if, thought if, it was if you ask, if you're actually asking, it's because of what he did in 2019, which was a long, long time ago. But that's how this whole thing works with young players is even the ones that are supposedly can't miss prospects end up missing. Therefore, all we have to go off of is upside and potential. And if you flash it, even for a very brief moment, we are always going to hold on to that and think, well, what if there's a chance? They have John Ross and Justin Ross. Yeah, both. By the way, look. I hope. I I mean, John Ross. High upside. He went one pick ahead of Mahomes. Big upside. (laughs) Look, I I hope. I hope that uh, we're up at training camp in St. Joe and we're talking about how great they look. But it's one of those where truly, it's going to have to be. You're going to have to show me. If you got 200 yards out of one of them, it's a win. Sure. Make the active roster. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, that's where we're at. I mean, these guys were when you get when you sign players to futures contracts. Making the roster is quite the accomplishment. Like making the making the fifty three man roster would be quite the accomplishment. But I'm not going to sp- I'm not going to sit here on March first before the league year starts and bank on anything. No, from Justin or John Ross. But we, you know what's kind of scary about it, Gold? You said Quentin Johnson was a guy like the only yeah. guy you would be interested in trading up for. Yeah, whoever you think that is, even if you think it's you know Jackson Smith and Jigba or. Jordan Addison out yeah, of USC. Ohio State wide receivers, very nice track record. Whoever there. you think is like the guy, as we just saw last year with Sky Moore, and I know he was a second round pick. If you don't get Juju Smith Schuster back next year, it feels kind of nerve wracking to go into next season with another rookie wide receiver and even more uncertainty around this wide receiver room. Because no matter what you think about Juju, like he may not be a legit number one. He was a veteran. Vets. Yeah. He was trusted. He immediately was someone Mahomes was comfortable tossing the ball to that, seven or eight times a game. And that's why I think I think Juju actually has a decent chance of coming back. But also, to your point, it's hard to imagine going through the entire offseason not bringing in some other type of veteran wide receiver if it's not going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. And then we're gonna, we're, we'll find out. With the like, league. all of a sudden, it's DJ Shark. Well, just somebody yeah, who just, like, holds Alan, Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard. It's just some other dude who holds the line. Yeah, the thing, Alan Lazard is probably, like, the second best available wide receiver. And financially, if that's the case, just bring back Juju. Like, why would – you know what I mean? Yeah, that, just bring back Juju smith Schuster. Even though I know MVS was on Twitter uh, advocating for his buddy Alan Lazard, who they played with, of so course, Just get all the former Packers. In Green Bay. Yeah. By the way, and David Giants. Yeah, get, so David, get Kenny Galladay, yeah, too. Trade, yeah, yeah. Kenny Galladay. Just yeah. trade, uh, <laughs> trade Orlando Brown Jr., get David Bakhtiari. Yeah, no problem. Just Packers. Keep Rogers going. can come in and back up Mahomes. Can we get uh, AJ Dillon to go with Pacheco too? Can we get can we get that combination going next year? I actually think Aaron Jones would be a better fit next to okay. Pacheco. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's really fair. You know, I like our plan. 
Problem solved. That's what we do. We solve problems. We take Packers and we teach them what it's like to play with a real quarterback. Get Brett Feach on the show and let's tell him our plan. See if he likes it. He's probably already one step ahead of us, man. You think he's already thought about this plan? Of course. The all Packers, all Giants plan? Brett Veach is like uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Avengers movie where he's going through the four billion combinations Just of what could like happen this. in the future. And he finds <laughs> the one the one scenario where the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Like, I like yeah. the idea there's like all of it, too. Like, he's like, I have to sign Justin Watson. There's no choice. Like, if I don't do Butterfly that. Butterfly effect, man. <laughs> then, then none of this happens. If I don't bring back this player, hey, what, what would have happened? It's working. Whatever his, whatever his oh, formula it's is, it's working pretty damn well. It's working just fine. For Brett Veach and company, we'll get back to the Chiefs in just a little bit, uh, including uh, what Cody says should be a, a much more uh, focus, I should say. A bigger focus. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, much more of a focus uh, for, for next season. That's an inside joke from our show meeting that nobody understands why I chuckle. But the three of us, we all get it. You know, we get it. It turns out inside Doesn't, jokes. Don't people like inside jokes out, on the radio? Yeah, inside jokes on the radio go over really, really well. They're, they're really smart to bring up. But uh, we're going to have J.J. Piccolo join us from the Royals coming up at 11 o'clock. And one thing I think we, we got to ask him about is his third base situation for the Royals. And we saw uh, Garcia yesterday actually come up with four RBI. Uh, Hunter Dozier, of course, uh, is is somebody that has an option there at third base. I get the sense that if Garcia were to have a really strong spring training, Dozier, the trade talk that we we, we, we discussed in the offseason, I don't think you can put that completely to rest. No, I, it's not even about the trade because I don't think that there's a market for Dozier yet. You think he needs like a month or two of strong yeah. play? Yeah. Look, why I, he- I want Michael Garcia to come up. I do. But if you're openly admitting that it's the new era of the Kansas City Royals and you've got some stuff to work on, there is absolutely no reason to call up Michael Garcia before the first month of the season. From, one, something they haven't done, manipulating service time, which does matter and matters to a lot of other teams, especially teams like the Tampa Bay Rays. But also, I know Dozier hasn't been good. I'm not going to try to convince you he is good. He's coming off of back-to-back bad years here in Kansas City. It's been Four years since he was any good from an offensive perspective back in 2019 when he had a really nice year from across the board, home runs, doubles, triples, the whole standard. To me, you have to give the Dozier thing one last crack. Just so you can try to to trade him or just because maybe there's some hope that with the money you're paying him that... Both. Look, he is not an expensive player by Major League Baseball. Baseball standards. I know that people be like, he's so over. He makes like 10 million. It makes less than $10 million. It's not a big, he's not paid this absorbent fee that sinks the Royals. It's not that they can't walk on that. It's essentially the same amount they walked on an Omar Infante by the time his so career was. So vote Dozier is what you're saying, man. <laughs> yeah, sure. If that's what it takes. Right. But like in the year that they let go of, and you know, the year they let go of Omar Infante, like that's about the amount of money they owed him. And he was coming off of two similarly terrible years for the Royals going into it. But I don't think it was wrong that they gave him 40 games to figure it out. I actually do think it's kind of important that you give Dozier a third or a quarter of the season to try to find out if there's still value there. He's not as old as Omar was. He's still 30. He has shown a 26, 10 triple, 25 double season sometime in the last four years. They've taken a shot on much less going forward, and there's no reason to rush Garcia to the majors. You are already young everywhere. The youth movement exists. It already Uh, exists in its own right. I don't see a reason not to try, and I know that that sucks because Garcia's way more fun. I think what you're saying is probably the route that J.J. and the Royals are going to take and what they hope plays out, which is I don't think it's the wrong route. They're going to give them a month or two, if not more, 
and hope that a he just contributes enough to where he's he's a keep you know he's still someone they think can be valuable. You mentioned the contract situation; he's under contract next year. It's only uh, nine million dollars in cash next year, which by in big picture is nothing. And then they have an, uh, a club option in twenty twenty five. So they would love to be able to to play this thing out. I think for a lot of Royals fans, and I, I fall into this category where it's like, all right, I'm kind of I'm kind of already done with that. Yeah, you're I, you're I done would, watching Dozier. I, I, I get would, it. Let's find out more what Garcia has. But you, what you're saying is likely the path. I recognize that, which is Garcia is probably going to start AAA at the beginning of this season, barring injuries and things like that. And if that's the case, okay, then at that point, I actually hope Dozier performs at a very high level because that would bump up the potential trade value. For for a team that's likely this year still going to be figuring things out, if Dozier were to have a good year, then come trade deadline, then maybe there actually is some value there. And if they feel good what Garcia is doing in AAA, it gives you some more options. If Dozier starts for a month or two and struggles, though, Cody, then, get, then walk. Then, yeah, but then that's what I'm saying. Then, then you're well, getting nothing for him. I understand know, that, but so you're not getting like spot. I don't know that you can trade him much for anything before the season anyway. Like you're not going to get any value, and the Royals do not like to give away their players for free. And look, 95 percent of the time, you've done the show with me now for three years. We did a song asking for Vinny Pasquantino to get called up. We we begged them to start the year with Bobby Wood Jr. I'm pro youth movement. I am for the younger players who have a much better ceiling and a higher possibility. But they rushed up. of their current active roster from a youth standpoint. I don't think waiting a couple of extra months on Garcia is the worst thing ever. If it were, and if again, if the makeup were different, it'd probably feel a little bit different. If this was already kind of a veteran laden team or these guys had established themselves or it didn't feel like they had rushed some of them up. I'd probably feel different, but like on just the Dozier one, not every situation, just this one, I don't mind them giving him 40 games. It kind of yeah. makes sense. Again, I think that's the path they'll choose. But let's say Garcia, and we're only like, four games in a spring training. It's well, like let's, 500 let's, let's in spring. Let's say he's just hot all spring. And I let's say that happens in this hypothetical. Are you still, like, at that point, won't it be pretty damn difficult for you to convince yourself that, oh, we're going to go back to the guy that, that hasn't done they anything two, in three years? 210 last year. And I, I'm not saying Garcia's going to do that. But if Garcia does have a great spring, I think it'll be really interesting to see if, they, if they're pushed to making a different decision. I... I would imagine the answer to that is no, and we'll talk to JJ about Hunter Dozier a little bit at 11, but I'm guessing what you just described is the likely scenario, which is at least a month or two of Hunter Dozier to start the season at, at third base and otherwise. It's weird. Dozier had such a great year when he was 27. He got up to the majors late, like a lot of the guys did at that time, because the Royals are in the youth movement now where everyone's getting into the majors at about the right time. But before that, it was everyone was getting to the majors like, like they're 26, right? All their position players were getting called up in like 26 and having some success, similar to like Witt the few years before that, They've had some success doing that, but then, man, when you, it's like when you start watching, like you start watching any version of like Dozier over the last couple of years, you're like, I don't, I don't like this. And look, Garcia got up, like Garcia got up last year. So it's not a stretch to be like, just leave this guy in the majors. He got up, he had success. He looks the part. You could go full blown youth movement and just lean into the punch, but it's just, it still feels like to me, you're just Failing on value that might actually be there with Dozier. I know maybe it's, I don't know. It's been four years. Maybe I should just let it go because I've talked about this with Michael A. Taylor, but like, yeah, for me, it's like you get a month. Like for me, it's that, like you get a month. I, like I'm saying yeah. 40 games. So yeah. we're, we're not okay. way far yeah. apart here. We're not, I'm saying a quarter of the season. That's about the time they gave Omar and Fonte before they're like, okay, we can't keep beating our head against the wall. And then you take whatever a ball 26 year old who has a really low probability to make the majors and they take 10% of the salary and you save a couple of million bucks and you move on with your life. But it's like Dozier, there's still like he was hurt a couple of times. I understand all these things build up and it leads to this, 
but he's not so old that I think there's just no untapped yeah. value in Dozier. I think there is still a good baseball player there somewhere. I feel like it's worth finding out. There's one area the Chiefs should have much more focus in on this offseason. We'll tell you what it is next. Here on Cody and Gold again, coming up in 30 minutes, the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, J.J. Piccolo, going to join us from Surprise, Arizona. We'll get into more on Hunter Dozier, Michael Garcia, and also Brady Singer, who makes his first start of spring training today, as a matter of fact, on 205. And uh, I believe that game is over on 1660, our sister station, if you want to listen to that uh, this afternoon. Now, uh, before we get into somebody that Cody's not convinced is going to hang it up after this season uh, with the Royals. It's pretty clear if you're going to allocate funds for the chiefs this off season, or really any off season going forward for the foreseeable future with Patrick Mahomes, as your quarterback, if you're going to, even though the chiefs would probably push back on this cut corners anywhere, it's on offense. It's like, if you look at where they're spending their money, they spent $15 million on wide receivers this past year. They're going to have to spend more on it. We think, this going uh, this offseason, if especially be hard retain, to spend less if they want to retain Juju Smith Schuster. But if you're going to go all in on any area, it is very clear which area you do that. Because with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, your offense, we know even under Alex Smith, the worst it was was 11th. With Patrick Mahomes, the worst that we, we had this conversation last year, the worst it's going to be is what, fifth, sixth? The, the worst. Mean, I'm saying, I'm I'd saying, worst. Say sixth. I'm saying worst, like worst case scenario stuff. So yeah, if I'm going to have X amount of money to spend in an offseason, I can't afford to cut the corner on defense. Not not with how how the the defense is viewed differently. I don't have the best player in the entire league on my defense at the most important position in football, which is quarterback. It's not the same as great as Chris Jones is. I need to make sure I'm investing in defense more than offense. Yeah, not right the now. best player in the league. The second best player. According in the to league. Pro Football Focus. By the way, though, it is worth noting this is quite the shift from how we would have had this conversation yeah. 12 months ago, really. Before the Tyreek Hill trade, yes. the thought behind the Patrick Mahomes era was that you are always going to surround this guy with talent. A year later, we have sort of changed that narrative. Nobody's saying I think it's be- surrounded with talent. It's just that if you have to pick, pick and choose, if it comes down to a, a decision one or the other, I think you have to obviously side with the defense at this point in Mahomes' career. Mostly because it seems like it's their clearest path to just pure dominance not and look they were a 14 and 3 team uh they won the super bowl and yet i still don't think people view them as like a dominant team as one of those that you just couldn't get through because they played a lot of close games they were tied in some of those mahomes just had one of those playoffs and he's like i'm not gonna lose and i'm not gonna let us lose and there's nothing you can do about it and i think that when you look at where they're like somebody put out the 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 numbers on draft like how much you allocated to the cap versus the production you got on offense and it is They are remarkably on one end of the spectrum versus pretty much every other team in the NFL. They're all by their lonesome. They get way more out of what they pay for on offense than anyone else in the league from a cap allocation standpoint. It feels like, and I'm not saying, Nick, I don't, I don't don't want to like pin this down as like this, how I feel for the rest of Mahomes' career. Cause I do think that there's a point there's ebbs and flows to this a little bit where there are times when it's like, Hey, put all the wide receivers, put all the offensive lines. And they did that. They did that right after I thought the, the Super Bowl fell short. They, I know that Tyreek Hill was gone, but they spent all this money on the offensive line. They brought in some extra talent. You know, Tyreek Hill was still here. Travis Kelsey was still here. They went that way. And then when Tyreek Hill got too expensive, they're like, where are we going to allocate our funds? 
and they kind of sprinkled a little bit everywhere. I think this is the year to say spend your money on defense. You got enough talent on offense right now to go for a couple See, of seasons that's where you can try to have a top 10 defense. That's interesting because I think this is actually a difficult offseason to have that conversation. You don't know if Juju will be back. You don't know the future of Orlando Brown Jr. You don't know if Jarek McKinnon will be back. There's a lot of yeah, question marks in terms of amount. McKinnon. I mean, it's, it's nothing money wise. No, but, I'm just, from a town but even if he does come back, his play faded down the stretch of this season. So is he going to be the same guy, the same playmaker that he was? I just think there are a lot of question marks as to the personnel on offense heading into next year. It feels like you need to, at the very least, just replenish what you may be losing this offseason before we can get to the point of saying we don't need to see this team invest a ton of resources on that side of the ball because there are a lot of questions as of today. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as, not to go back to our Kelsey conversation, but as long as Travis Kelsey is still Travis Kelsey, that allows you to, quote-unquote, cut corners. Again, the Chiefs would push back and say, we don't cut any corners, yada, yada, yada. But, but what, like, what if I but, told you... Right now, I can guarantee you that Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to be back in Kansas City. Doesn't that change the thought process yeah, It a depends bit? on what you tell me about the offensive line. Well, I would say because they say can't. Say what you want I, about Juju. He still I, caught 78 I, balls yeah. for nearly 1,000 yards. Yeah, like, you, you can't just. If you tell me Juju's not back, then I say, well, I can't, I can't go in with Tony, Sky Moore, and MVS as my top three receivers So who is year. your safety I'm, blanket at wide yeah, receiver? There's, yeah, there's another, there's another veteran that you would have to bring in, or... You got to go higher up gotta, in the draft. You got to spend more draft capital Which is more it. assets that we were just talking sure. about. Because, like, part of us is, like, get another defensive end, get another, you know, get some of those big-name players, take more shots in the draft. I kind of want them to lean that way, which is why maybe I'd rather they just spend that money we're talking about, Nick, that you just mentioned, there. I don't know. My safety net's probably DJ Chark. The guy but that's earlier. the thing is, is that's the most safety net, safety net wide receiver. But of all it's time. still less secure than bringing back Juju. Yes. And so knowing what the Chiefs were this year, I'm even though I don't think Juju is a legit number one, I don't think anybody can just come in and do what he did specifically because of his skill set. Right. It's a great fit. They use him across the middle. He took some pressure off Travis Kelsey. So. I almost include him in the idea of trying to bring Juju back would be investing on the offense, knowing that at the very least you'll get close to what you got a season ago from the offense. You remove him from the equation. I'm not convinced that this offense is once again going to be the number one unit in football next year. If yeah. I don't even know who the pass no, catchers are going to be. Are we going to have – I mean, no, but are we going to really do that whole thing again? Are we going to pretend to ourselves that they're going to – I mean, are we going to have this – does that be the national conversation again? Well, what are they going to do without you? Are we really going to waste our freaking no, time but doing like, that again? Because that, that, that didn't turn out no, very well for everybody else. I nationally. just mean the uncertainty right now is that if you oh, take right Juju out of the equation, because it's March first, is it going to be Jacoby Meyer at wide receiver? But that's the whole conversation here. We're talking about investing on offense, and if you're saying that you need to invest more on defense than offense, my rebuttal would be: you got to tell me who the receivers on this team are going to be, because right now I only know two names. Well, MVS, Sky Moore, okay, and yes. Tony. So, so there are. Th- I mean, you've got three. Okay, that's I mean, not the strongest start ever. Kelsey. It's not. Sure. And Travis Kelsey, though. Then it starts to sound a lot better, doesn't it? Of all course, of a sudden, of course it does. But I need more. I. That's, there, that's my whole point. The, I need the only, more. The only benefit to me right now in investing, like let's say, if you're saying, "Hey, there's a hundred dollars," and I'm, you're saying, "Hey, put seventy thirty that on offense," and I'm saying, "Put seventy thirty that on defense." The only benefit investing on the offense is it will like. It will get better. It, it is more likely to not fail. I'll say that. It is a much safer investment 
because on defense, they have had, over the last five years, they've had one of the most expensive defensive lines in the NFL. They've not been consistently one of the best defensive lines in the NFL, even though they have consistently invested in that. They, one of these years under Patrick Holmes, had the most expensive linebacker crew in the NFL. They were not the best linebacker crew in the NFL. They've consistently had one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL, right? Like, you can say all these things, and it's been harder for them with all those resources to turn it into a top-five defense. And if you put even just a little bit of resources into the offense, you guarantee. hundred. Like, if you just if you just told me right now, Nick, Judas Mishuser's on the offense, it's a lock. They're a top-five offense. Done. We're done. We don't have to have any other conversation about what happens at left tackle, right tackle, running back. I don't care about any of it. If you just tell me Juju's back, they're a top-five offense. We're done. But so on defense, I can't. Yeah, I can't guarantee you the yeah, one player. Yeah, left tackle be the only. Yeah, we we left tackle again. I we, we can talk about Brown and whether he's back or. I not. I think if you traded, told me like, either were back, I would think they're a top five offense. I think they're interchangeable in the way that it's not. Neither is going to take them out of the top five. I looked by the way. The worst they finished was sixth, and that was in the year Mahomes missed several games and only finished with twenty six yeah, passing and, touchdowns. In the year they won the Super. Under Bowl. Andy Reid with the Chiefs, the worst it's been with Alex Smith even was like eleventh. So. With Mahomes, you're not even getting anywhere near that. So this is why I think it is fair to say five or six is the worst that they would they would be. Which, by the way, you can you can win a Super Bowl being the fifth. Yeah, but you offense. you know, but goal, you have to be at that point. You can't be the 15th best defense or the 20th best defense. Then at that point, you have to be 10th. Gold, you asked the question like, are we really going to do this again? Like, what would they do without Juju? No, but no, I, I told you I want Juju back. I'm just saying, are we gonna uh, in June? Are we gonna be sitting here when they don't have Juju back? And are we gonna really have every national talking head saying? Man, I don't. I just don't know if Mahomes no, can do it with this group. I mean, really, like that's that. But we in, think we learned our lesson. But on, that on this one. show, like in this room, if you if you're telling me that you're going to lose Juju, mm-hmm. and you're not even going to get back to last year's baseline of talent on offense, well, I yeah, tr- I'll be a little concerned. I, I, I trust Brett. Be a little Veach, I think I think we all know Brett Veach by now that if Juju's not back, they're not going to just go into the season with Sky Moore, MVS, and Kadarius Tony. There right, will be but some other move. But that's kind of my Meyer point. Or fine, and fine, and I bet you that works. He's like an 800-yard receiver. I bet you that works. With Mac Jones. Yeah, he's a, I mean, he's very different from a skill set perspective. He's more of like your prototypical slot receiver. Now, can you use that and make him your number one I kind of trust Andy Reid to just change his That's offense because he's pretty good about doing that. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I think it just, again, going back to the idea of investment, right? Even if you lose Juju, there is going to be a concerted effort to continue to invest Absolutely. in that Absolutely. receiver core. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, invest Jacoby Meyer $13 million a year is different than the investment I'm asking him to make on defense where they take a, you know, they, they might take a bigger swing. Well, I mean, we know they're going to, I mean, the, the defensive investment's automatically going to happen because we all think Chris Jones is back and that might be a $120 million investment right there. Pretty big investment. Like that, that, you know, I understand the number's been pretty big for Chris Jones already, but this, this number is going to be a completely different ballpark than what they've been paying. Chris I'm still, Jones. I'm going to need that Venmo from, he gets this new contract. I'm going to need that Venmo for all these the snow, snow cones. cones. I'm going to, I'm going to need, I'm going to need like 50, 60 If he bucks. gets the contract, we, we, I think we should, we should try to get him on the show and we should, we should ask him if we, uh, if we can get Venmo reimbursements. It's around a hundred bucks right now, Chris. Like it looks like you got 120 million coming into the bank account. Yeah, $100, $100, about a hundred dollars into this thing. Do you think I could get a Venmo f- that i wasn't gonna ask before you got the new contract i didn't want to hit you up yeah, but now money. that i know you just got like 80 million dollars guaranteed mm-hmm. would you mind hit me up for that hundred dollars on venmo it would be great do you think nfl players who have way more money than that, do you think that they're more likely to carry cash we were just having this conversation oh. about carrying cash mm. do you think that like an nfl player is more likely to have like a thousand dollars in cash a, on them a thousand dollars in cash. i don't know i'm just asking how um, much cash do you think the average nfl player walks around with 
Chris Jones, Mahomes, Frank Clark. They definitely carry cash, but I, I, I don't know. Or somebody with them carries cash. Yeah, I, they're far more likely to have cash. I'll be honest, too. Also, if you were worth as much, wouldn't you just naturally, because you had more, wouldn't you just carry more cash? <laughs> wouldn't you just carry probably. cash? Like, it's I probably just have like $1,000, and then when that 1000 was gone, I'd get another That's thousand. what I'm saying. Like, if you're a bank, little money clip. wouldn't you just be more likely to carry on cash because you're just like, because you can? Because <laughs> you can't carry around like an entire, like your paycheck in your pocket. And you're just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to carry. By the way, because no matter it's what. It's easier we, too. Like, no matter less what paper say, trail. Uh, you can just move on with your life. No matter what we say about how, like, at the bar, like the covers, if they're going to charge covers, they need to allow you to use your debit card as well. Let's be honest. It does feel good when you have a large amount of cash in your pocket. It just feels good. It does feel different than, it like, knowing good. it's in your account. It does feel good. Yeah. Like I woke, we played we played poker on Friday, and I did good. And I just had that look, like stack of cash on top of the desk at the end of the night. You're like, oh, this this is nice. It is. I'm gonna put, and I have some cash on me now because I'm like, you know, I don't like a little cash it's in the not, wallet. It's not the same when you just refresh. It's the not banking, a lot, right? But when you refresh the banking app, you know, and you're, you're like, like, you carry yeah. like I carry a little cash yeah. for a little yeah. bit. As Cody pulls out twenties. Uh, it was a twenty. Uh, but uh, no, like it's some not the fives. same. As you you just refresh the banking app and you see the dollar amount. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't hit the. It doesn't hit the same, does it? The cash still feels a little different. I think so, man. I had that amount of money, I'd carry cash. And then I won three. Someone said their wife's grandpa gave her the best advice. I always have an emergency $5 bill on you. Emergency five. That $5 bill. I only put cash in my wallet when I'm like, I might need cash at this setup. Like, there's a chance. Or if I'm going to, like, a bar. Like, if we're going to go to a wedding and I know they're going to have an open bar, I'm like, I'm going to need cash. Like, I only carry it typically if I know I'm going to need it or if I just got done, like, playing cards. You know you're going to be at a hotel with the valet or something. Like, you know you're going to need a tip with cash, that kind of stuff. That's exactly it. It's in those situations where you know you're uh, going to need text it. Text line's right. Cody, you actually ha- just go ahead and keep that cash you got on you right now because Nick, he still needs to pay off the bet. Uh, our show is All going right, to I guess set it up club. with the final listener and okay. set it up. Okay, because that was part of the guillotine league. Let's and do you've it sometime in the next few weeks. He was kind of doing cash. some stripper stuff in the studio yesterday. Yeah, he did like a pelvic thrust. Yeah, it was like a... Like a I was mimicking your action when you were stretching your back. What's that scene? Is it is it is it dirty dancing when the girl's sitting in the chair and she pulls the string and then the water falls on her? Flash dance? Flash dance. There we go. That's what you did yesterday. I did I did the flash dance? Yeah. Jennifer Beals. Whatever. But uh, uh the the uh Jennifer Beale. I don't even think that's her name. The actress in Flash Dance. Well, Jessica Beale is an actress. I I, it's I a different a, one. It's a different, yeah, it's a different. Who's Jennifer Beale? I believe that's who was in Flash. That's the person in Flash yeah. Dance. He's right. Of all the times Gold's wrong point. on these things, wow. Jennifer Beals <laughs> is actually the person in Flash I'm Dance. I'm sorry, Gold. I just kind of, I think my, my natural instinct but, was to assume you were wrong. There's no way Gold got an <laughs> like 80s was, movie reference Like he was right. trying to say <laughs> Jessica Beale and then made and it. And like, that's a completely different time frame. She just, was barely even born when that movie Jessica was out. Jessica Beale, obviously the more popular name. I, I do know that. But anyway, um... What we were saying. No, the you have cash on you, so I think we have to make this thing happen now. Listen just because I already five, have cash. I think it was five hundred bucks. Do we we got to figure out which listener He's, that was. It's in the list. Okay, we have five hundred dollars for the for and all the guillotine league will be invited. Mm-hmm. We know Sean Barber's not showing up. He already told us that he wanted his twenty dollars share. We said no, you got to show up. So that's not how it works. All right, let's get to Nick's notes. Gotta write something down. Nick's notable notes. All right, guys, sort of a, a somber Nick's notable notes today. Oh. NFL Combine happening down up in Indianapolis, and Jalen Carter out of Georgia, one of the top prospects in the draft. Now, if the Chicago Bears were sticking at number one overall, he might be the number one overall pick. Sounds like they're going to trade back, and somebody's going to move up to get their quarterback. But he is one of the top-rated prospects. In the country, defensive tackle, and now all of a sudden, his 
situation, I guess we'll call it, for lack of a better term, is in question. There is a warrant out for his arrest uh, stemming from a fatal car crash that occurred in Athens, Georgia, back on January 15th of this year. So Chandler LaCroix, who was one of his teammates, was driving a car wrecked around 2.30 a.m. Jalen Carter, the investigation by the Athens the police department has found was also driving his car in a reckless behavior. Sounds like they were racing. Uh, one of the cars drove in opposite lanes of travel and there was a wreck. There was a death. LaCroix blew into a breathalyzer. He uh, blew a 0.197, which would put him well over twice the legal limit at the time. Carter denied being in the other car racing him an investigation has found that that is not accurate and now there is a warrant out for his arrest he was actually scheduled to speak today at the combine Did you see the lie that they imposed on that the lie he's not going to speak because nfl spokesman michael yeah. segura said uh he's still in medical testing so he'll not speak to reporters at the combine today well he is no longer in indianapolis so he's probably yeah. headed back to athens to yeah. deal with this legal issue uh, this is sort of weird from a lot of different angles. It's it's obviously a, a terrible and shocking story, and you just feel so bad for you know, all those involved in Athens. From a football standpoint, I mean, what do you do if you're an NFL team? Because it's not as though this guy, he obviously he messed up big time. He yeah. lied. He left the scene right. because he was, I mean, this was at 2.30. His teammate, who he was racing was over the legal limit. One could probably right. assume that maybe he was as well, and that's why he left the scene. But it's an absolutely horrific, horrendous mistake that you can't take back. Yes. How much does this Look, affect I, the draft um, stock of a guy I, who might have been the number one overall I, pick? I think that's a huge question right now. I Honestly, from what we know, again, th- new details can come out. I was mentioning that. New details can certainly come out. As of what we know right now, I think it'll I, I only really impact him a little. I, I really don't think like, he's not falling outside the top 10. No, I, I, I don't believe he's having this major slide. Uh, it is awful, awful, awful. Both charges, though, I think it's important to note, are considered misdemeanors down in Athens. So yeah, because say, he, know, these aren't, he's not getting charged with felonies because, or anything. Because he was not a part of the car crash Correct. where these two guys died. Correct. And look, LaCroix and, and the other player, uh, Wilcock, who was a offensive lineman, it was... Those two cars getting into an accident. So and it's, it's he wasn't involved in the accident, but he saw with, the whole thing with, go down. With misdemeanors and stuff, I, I don't think he's really going to fall much, guys. Like, the thing is, obviously, it becomes his his entire draft story, and whoever sure. drafts him is going to have to answer these questions about it. But it is one of those, like, Nick, we talk about all the different stuff that, like, gets people in trouble. Like, when Laramie Tunsil was, like, uh, smoking a ball. But Larry Tunsil's drafts stock actually suffered. It did. Now, so it did Justin Houston's because of his misdemeanor but pot arrest. Larry Tunsil, that video, that gas mask video came out the day of like the draft. Like two hours before the draft. Yeah. <laughs> like, now this is a month. There's plenty of time to soften this. And if by sometimes he's like just completely out of the works. Yeah, they got it, two months. If it impacts him, it might be by a pick or two. But I don't think, yeah, I just, I just don't think that this <laughs> will drive it all the way down. Maybe I'm way off here, but. Unless new details come out. Like, as of right now, the details that we know and the draft is two months away, Yeah, I really don't think it's going to change a whole lot from the draft pick. You're right that the PR mess will exist for a little while. For a while, yeah. For, for the team that drafts him. But I, 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 unless there's new details that, that say that he was more involved in what we know and other things like that. Well, and, like, here's the thing. The thing that we're probably not counting on are the things that 
that NFL coaches care about sometimes, like, maybe to, to a fault. Like the guys who used to say, all right, uh, what did you think about the playbook? And they snuck $100 in the back, and they wanted to find out if the player admitted they found the $100, never said anything about it, or never went through the playbook. Mm-hmm. So there'll be people who be like, he lied, and he's a liar, and we don't have liars on this team. And there'll be someone who says that, even though a lot of us, even the, like this is hard to say because of the tragedy, a lot of us in that moment would be like, oh, my God, can I, like, I'm in so much trouble, and I'm a top, pro- like, what do I do? What do I do? What do yeah. I do? And you just hope no one finds out because – Technically, you didn't do the thing that caused the death, and you just panic sets in. Yeah, but and man, everyone's first instinct in like big panicky moments like that, a lot of people's first instinct is, "I better lie." But you know what's weird? Because I'm in so much trouble. Yeah, and if, especially if you're drinking, and you know it's not just that you witnessed and look, the this, cop, but also for whatever for whatever it's worth, the cop on site said that there was no visual impairment for Jalen Carter, but I don't know. Like that was in the story that they had said that they didn't show he didn't show any signs that he had been drinking. Yeah, God, it's just horrible situation all around i will say this todd mcshay of espn has been reporting for the past month or so that like you're going to hear about some character issues with jalen carter and a lot of people in the draft community tried to drag mcshay for this and they tried to say what are you talking about this is a guy who paid for walk-ons meals for an entire year he's done all this charity work with kids todd mcshay's a mouthpiece for somebody he's like being promised some sort of bombshell It, it maybe just maybe like the most sourced and plugged in mock draft expert, like kind of had some information yeah. that something might be coming. This is with like Jaylen the Carter. Schefter thing when everyone got mad because it turned out he had sent a copy of a report to a general manager. I don't remember which general manager it was now. No, it was it was Dan Snyder, right? Oh yeah. Oh jeez, uh, that's not great. Yeah, but so, or was it Jay Gruden? Was it one of those things where he yeah. like? Something with that e- with that email well, leak that was with the commanders, so maybe. Yeah, so, maybe but it's just like it's always the same thing. It's like I, if McShay says that there's going to be people who bring up character concerns, I'd probably trust him in that regard. I know it's easy to look up like, hey, here's all the great things he did, and he did those things. But if he's saying it, I don't think he's just going to say it flippantly. He's been doing this for 25 years. I don't think he's just coming up with that. I don't think any of us thought it was going to be this serious, though. That'll be the. It is the story of the combine so far and of today, and then. We'll see where it goes over the next couple of months as more details come out. And at some point, he's going to speak, right? At some yeah. point, he's going to talk. Uh, I'm sure teams may have already been aware of this before we all found out today as well when it comes to Jalen Carter. And if you're the agent for Jalen Carter, uh, hopefully your client was truthful to you. Uh, either way, it's going to be a mess for you to handle over the next couple of months. You're going to certainly earn your, uh, your, your, your check, your cut of yeah. that future salary for Jalen Carter dealing and navigating with this over the next – a couple of months leading up to the draft, which, of course, is going to take place right here in Kansas City. Coming up next, though, we're heading out to Arizona for some baseball with J.J. Piccolo, Royals General Manager, Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations. We'll get his thoughts on where they're at depth-wise at center field, Brady Singer, what kind of season he can have. And I do want to talk a little Super Bowl with J.J. because the last time he was on our show was from Radio Row before his Eagles and I'll say his Chiefs as well. But his Eagles uh, were getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. You're listening to Cody and Gold. He is so 